Welcome to the Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast, inside the business, buzz, and brilliance of Black entrepreneurs. Here is your host, Dr. Francis Richards. What happens in Vegas goes all over the world on Black Entrepreneur Experience, episode 147. Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Imagine Americans' finest craft alcoholic beverages of beer, wine, and cider is being distributed to luxury resorts and hotels across the world. And a cloud-based technology is monitoring the locations and temperatures because one woman, Brooke S. Sinclair, the chief strategist behind this unique brand and company, Valor Imports, is making it happen. Hello, Brooke. Hello, doctor. How are you today? I am perfect. Listen, I am going to jump right in. But before I do, why don't you give our audience your personal bio, what you'd like them to know about you and your business. Yes. Valor Imports, we stand for values. We are offering an opportunity for hotels, distributors, and manufacturers to connect to each other in a centralized platform. We want to make the wholesale buying import process simpler and streamlined. And we're looking forward to helping a lot of suppliers and buyers meet together. How did you come up with this idea? This is pretty brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's been a long path. It's, the business has gone through a lot of growth. Uh, we actually just made the transition to digital from analog to digital at the beginning of 2019. But I have to say that the idea for the company is divinely inspired. Just a, a calling of a second nature. And talk about your team. How many people are working with you on this project in your business? We have a small team of four, including myself. Um, uh, Operations, logistics, procurement supply manager, and uh, international sales manager. And tell us, Brooke, what are you most grateful for right now in your life? Ah, that is, that's everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a challenging road. Entrepreneurship is definitely a path, a journey of highs and lows. And so we're happy. We're grateful to be just here today going into our fifth year next June. And so we're looking forward to growing expungently. And you talk about entrepreneurship being a bunch of highs and lows and peaks and valleys. Talk about that high for a moment. The high? Right. Talk about what is the best or the accomplishment that you're most proud about going into year five. Hmm. Um, this year... Being able to bring the team on board full time, everything starts with one. So you have to make that first step. So I'm looking forward to bringing the team on board and having all hands on deck. That'll be a huge accomplishment and that'll increase our bandwidth significantly and triple our increase, our sales increase. 
Let's shift gears. Talk about the worst moment in business. <laughs> I was homeless in Panama's International Airport for seven days. And that what was... was the lesson? What What was the <laughs> takeaway from that? There are a lot of takeaways. Actually, that is one experience that continues to... <laughs> If nothing else, I, I'm not homeless <laughs> in Panama's International Airport for seven days. So it helps me gain perspective of when we when there are lows, but then lets me know that there's going to be an incredible high. You know, it's going to only grow from there. And let's kind of relive that moment. Talk about when you were homeless in Panama. What was that moment that you knew that everything was going to be okay? Ooh, I have to say that I, I'm a somewhat positive person. So even though, you know, there's a moment of freaking out, I felt like I was actually going to be okay until the fifth day. So I got stranded on Wednesday um, and I went through the Friday, uh, the weekend and it was Monday morning when I actually had a little breakdown and had a, a, a moment of crisis. So I kept my spirits pretty high and, you know, just felt used it as an opportunity to get to build relationships. I had plenty of time to follow up on emails and, and calls and, you know, learn more about my customer and more about the city and the people um, and what common person really needs. Um, I got to know a lot of the airport security and the cleaning staff. And so it was a, an incredible learning experience. So I have to say I actually held on pretty well. And <laughs> so, yeah. And Brooke, what problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? From a fantasy perspective, the contestant in me wants to say world peace, but I I think something that's more realistic but still just as meaningful is to say access, opportunities, equal opportunities for all. A platform of this nature, for exist for example, allows us to feature minority and women-owned craft brewers and highlight them on a perspective that's not necessarily done in the craft beer industry, highlight them on an international level. And I'm especially proud. That's an opportunity that was only available to top-tier craft brewers before, and now it's a more obtainable goal so that the craft beer, the global craft beer community continues to grow. Craft breweries continue to have an opportunity for revenue and to employ more people, to have families, to send their kids to college, to so on and so forth. So yeah, access to opportunity. And when you talk about craft beer and going on a global scale, I'm from, I guess they call it the beer capital. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So Ooh, we have okay. a lot of beer. And so talk about someone's listening and they're like, wow, that sounds pretty interesting. How do you get into that industry, Brooke? 
Uh, you know, that is a great question. If somebody wanted to get into the craft brewing industry, I would say just go to your local craft brewery in your neighborhood. Nine times out of ten, there's a chance that there's one just a few blocks down the street. And sometimes they offer tours. And usually they're pretty cool people. You can just ask them. I know St. Arnold's here in Houston, you at least, I don't know if they still do it, but you used to could take a corporate tour or I think like a school group tour and they would teach you the brewing process. I would say if somebody wanted to do it, just feel free to make it. It could either be an incredible hobby or an unstoppable career. And Brooke, talk about the industry as a whole. What are the stats in in terms of the growth market and the income possibility? So for us, this is a trillion dollar market. The global perspective of, and I should have had these exact numbers up and here they come. I apologize. So the global consumer spending of the food and beverage category is expected to reach $20 trillion by 2030. We are looking at the craft beer market alone globally as at $503 billion um, by 2025. And so that continues to grow at about 20% a year, year over year. And I see a lot of changes happening where the larger macro brewers are starting to change their product lineup and selection to compete with craft breweries. So for us, we're specifically really targeting the imported craft beer market in Latin America, which is a $100 million market uh, that we're very capable we can capture and be able to service them. What's some advice you wish you had followed? To not take everything so personal. And I'm going to step back a moment. Thank you for sharing those numbers and in reference to the industry um, as a whole and you being in more of a niched market within the industry. So it sounds like, if I'm correct to say, it's kind of recession proof. <laughs> yes, even recession heightened mm-hmm. um, because sometimes when you don't, your taste for higher quality beers Your budget may change a little bit in a recession, but you'll still want to get a drink. You'll find a way most people during a recession actually tend to increase their alcohol consumption. Absolutely. And we are not predicting a recession. We're just looking at strategies to be in industries that is going to boom in case we have a recession. And not that I would endorse that. As a a healing mechanism. Now, being raised in the beer capital, Brooke, I'm going to have you explain to the audience, because I personally, I don't know this information myself, even though I was raised in the beer capital, and I'm not a beer consumer. So I'm going to ask you to define what is the difference in beer craft beer 
And then you had talked about specifically in Latin America versus other areas. So I want you to school us, give us a mm-hmm. lesson in beer. Okay. That's nice. Okay. So let's go back over the first category again, beer versus craft, craft beer. beer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in your traditional craft beer worldwide tends to have more bark to its bite. So it tends to have more flavoring, more color, more thicker, thicker body to it. Um, whereas your mass consumed beer create mass produced beer, rather, excuse me, the Mac, um, the Anheuser Busch's and, and Heineken's and things of that nature, they all sin, tend to have the exact same, almost carbonated type of distinct flavor. So on a blind taste taste test, any mass-produced beer that you'll find tends to taste like every other mass-produced. And it just never really changes. It gets darker but the consistency is not as, just as, as one, as a wine connoisseur can understand the, the legs of a wine, the body and the vintage of the grapes. In a craft beer, you get the full flavor of the, the barley, the yeast, the hops, the caramels, the chocolates, the just abundance of flavor, sours and and really just creative chocolates I've seen. I even heard about a marshmallow one, IPA, I believe it was. So I haven't had a chance to try that, but that, that, that means that genuinely somewhere in the process, a marshmallow was integrated into the recipe. And so you can, you can taste all of that. You can feel all of that. And then a create in the Latin American market, we're seeing a lot of flavors towards pickles, lots of pepper-based. They have a different kind of agricultural landscape in that in their area. So they have an, an abundance of fruits and details that aren't necessarily accessible to mass producers. Like to have vats of product, they would have to order high volume of it. So there are certain things that are indigenous to like say Costa Rica or we've seen some excellent flavors coming out of um, craft brewers in Guatemala and Panama. And so they offer a different perspective on their landscape. And so just like wines, the distribution and the trade of that, of those backgrounds, of those legacies, of those, uh, their heritage is exciting and new and it's fresh. And that's something that never grows old. And why did you focus or why is your primary focus on Latin America, that market? Right now, we want to focus on a specific region. I have to say that geographically speaking, looking at where other export and opportunities were happening, there's a lot already happening and Southeast Asia is really booming in the craft beer market. And so we noticed that a large population of underserved and underrepresented individuals were being neglected in Latin America. So we made it our specific focus 
our initiated initiated focus, excuse me. So that's just to get us started. We there is a great amount of um, creativity happening in that area that we are excited about being a part of and helping grow into the future. But we do have plans to expand once we've solidified everything all the way down to South America. We do have plans to jump over to Africa and start working our way up. Brooke, do you see a shift happening in the beer, wine, the alcohol industry? Again, that is not my expertise at all. So I'm going to definitely lean on you as the expert when I ask these questions. What I'm noticing from magazines that I'm reading and and advertising that when you had talked about the Latin American market going more towards more pickles and pepper base, and I'm seeing a shift with the alcohol industry moving towards focusing on millennials and Gen Zs or Ys, and they're doing a lot more fruit-based products. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that shift I am. I am seeing a lot of fruit-based beers or ciders even. Of course, ciders are fruit-based, but different creative fruits are being cidered. So apples, pears, your honey, honey wines, a lot of different creative meads and things of that nature. Yes. Thank you for that. Talk about your next. What do you see for 2020 and beyond for Velour, your company? Yeah. Next year, we are planning for growth. We want to help more hotels in Latin America, more hotels and distributors. They depend upon tourism um, to funnel their growth to heighten their, basically their economy is based around tourism. So we're looking forward to getting more involved in how we can help them rely upon that tourism, what sort of creative events and experiences we can help them create using craft beer available through our platform. And how's the reception for you coming in the market? The reception's been good. Very good. The transition to digital is, in some cases, it's greatly accepted. There's a large community of millennials, as you could imagine, who are definitely accepting and ready and want an online portal that helps them have a consistent resource of imported craft beers. They're very appreciative to help us give us feedback as we grow the platform and grow it out and build it out. And then even we're having a large conversion of baby boomers who are finding themselves, you know, they're introduced to it. They like the concept but they don't necessarily believe that it's true that you can have things delivered. So, but they're slow, they're coming around. They're coming around faster than I would have assumed. So I'm, I'm happy to say we're, we're being well-received. Brooke, talk about the interception from where you were. How did you start in this industry? Take us back and tell us your why and your journey. Did you get an education in this particular field? where you want a trip and something happened and you kind of stumbled into this. Tell us more. I am happy to say that this was, this is something that I was meant to be doing. My master's, I have a master's in science and project management. 
bachelor's in organizational and corporate communications. But it really, the base, the foundation of the logistics came as my first job as a stage manager for theater. I traveled across the country helping load in freight, uh, speakers, equipment, production, props, sets, things of that nature, and moved from coast to coast, moving materials and high-valued goods. And then did that till, I think my last show was at the Apollo Theater, and I had an incredible opportunity. And I, I said, you know, I'm either going to do this for real, I'm going to go to Broadway, and I'm going to be a, a stage manager, or I can go back to school and maybe just try something else. So I decided to go back to school. And so I went and got, that's where I started racking up degrees and certifications. I studied abroad in India for a semester, learned a couple of different languages, and got out and see, saw and experienced the world and, and all its riches. And so now I'm looking forward to continuing that growth well into the future. What should we know as consumers about your industry that we don't know? I feel like it's uh, something that most people don't know is that there are not very many women in this space of the transitioning of import-exporting, e-commerce, STEM and technology. There are more women minority women in this space who are struggling to and not getting the support that they need than I would like to report. And what can we do to help them? Well, you know, doubt seems to be our number two challenge. So I imagining just as when Uber first started and and people often had doubts that, oh, uh, nobody's going to want to pick up a stranger in their car. Or Airbnb first started and people said, oh, nobody's going to want to open up their house to total strangers. Just realize that the global economy is everything is moving to digital. The transition of logistics and manufacturing, everything is having some sort of global disruption. The trace of blockchain Everything that we're even you even ordering a car, you can Carvana now allows you to order a car. You don't have to go to the dentist anymore. You can now get your your braces mail ordered to you, but they're not really braces. They're candid. I'm not sure what they are, but everything is going to that distribution of e-commerce, a B to C perspective, even the B to B world. So I would say, one, open up your pockets, how you can support minority women, open up your pockets, and then open up your minds. Maybe open up your minds first and then pockets, but (laughs) yeah, just be open. And if there's anything we can do, if there's like a consortium or a directory of the minority women that's in the space that we can put it out there to share that information for support, especially coming up on by Black Week Mm -hmm. coming up or anything year round. I don't believe in just by Black Week. I believe in by Black Always. 
So anything that we can do, if you have any information that you can pass on that we can help support, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. Okay, I will. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing when you were talking about everything about not just the global disruption, but the digital disruption and just how things are changing and moving. And we as people of color, African-Americans from the black diasporas, however you identify yourself, it is so important that we get on board with technology and we see how fast things are moving I was reading something that now, like you can order your own blood test and <laughs> different tests online without even your doctor. Really? Yeah. It was something that came in the mail and they even put out like this one lab here locally where I'm at and they were just like, you can do a blood test, a hair test, a urine test. Uh, they had like all of these tests. And you pay out of pocket and you don't need to see your physician. It's just like order the test yourself. So there's a lot of disruption happening that we mm. have to stay abreast to how it's going to impact our lives. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So tell us three truths that you've learned in life or business so far, Brooke. Awesome question. The first two are pretty easy. The first one I came into, someone had told me before actually beginning this business, I had actually started a business back in my early 20s. Someone told me never accept a no from someone who can't give you, a, who doesn't have the authority to give you a yes. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been especially helpful because along the path, more people who have who are your resource who are merely gateway keepers or or persons of information they will tell you no you can't do this or no you're not good enough and like angela bassa recently said not only are you enough but you're more than enough so that i use that a lot i refer back to that mentally quite a lot second one i would have to say is uh, Recently off of Rocky, if you want to, or no, Creek 2, if you want to make changes, big changes in a big way, then you have to make some big changes. And I feel like that kind of explains itself. Third one, I am still on a path of growth and development. So I'm going to have to refer back to the not taking everything so personal. Be willing to grow, grow every day. I actually told someone yesterday, I, I'm a caterpillar turning into a beautiful billion dollar butterfly. I'm not, the process is going to be rough. It's not going to be pretty. But in the end, I will have gorgeous wings full of crested gold and diamonds. I love that. Brooke, if someone wrote a book about you today, what would they learn about you that they cannot find out on the internet or anywhere else? Something that I do not really reveal a lot that would be, it definitely would be in a book is that I am adopted. I lost my biological parents at the age of seven in a, a car accident. And uh, luckily, 
had lots of therapy and I was very blessed to be adopted by my aunt, my mother's sister. And so my now mom, I call her, but I uh, just refer to her as mom, but <laughs> uh, for a distinction. Um, so I've, I've had two mothers. I, I've been very blessed to be loved by a lot of people and that would def- that will be in my book. Brooke, thank you so much for entrusting us with such personal and authentic information. And you are so honored for that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. I, I'm very excited. I'm hopeful that this will help us get to our next stage. Well, we believe it will. And so why don't you share with us that aha moment that you knew that your business was going to be successful? Oh, wow. The night I realized, um, it's been in stages. So the night that I did, I finished the calculations back in, so we started Valor in 2015. I think I finished initial projections. So I was doing my master's and when I first started Valor, so I, I really did a lot of market research first, then did the projections later. So about 2016, I finally got the math together and realized that it was a $50 million uh, company, much easier than I, I would have imagined. And then when I realized that it was a billion-dollar company, I couldn't sleep for a day, and I just wrote on I had legal pads and I was just writing insanely and there's so much information just pouring out of me and so many calculations and and realizing the potential for growth that we would be able to help so many people and then realizing the Amazon like potential for earnings (laughs) yeah when I finally fell asleep I slept for quite a long time I was very excited Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So how do you keep your happy when you hit that bump in the road? How do you adjust and reset? Um, adjusting and resetting. I have to be honest. Um, I still am growing. And so I'm learning to walk away from the situation, get up, go for a walk. And and take your mind off of what's really happening. Then once you've had a chance to relax, dissect why it's happening. Where is it coming from? You know, is this a temporary downturn or are did anyone die? Is it that serious? Are you are you going to die? Is the company going to die? You should be fine. So just find your way out of the situation. But yeah, it's you just have to keep reminding yourself that life is not perfect. Just because you started a company and just because you can are capable of uh, leading a worldwide community doesn't mean it's going to be easy. World domination is never easy. It doesn't come to your door. It doesn't knock at your door and present itself. You have to be willing to punch people in the throat and take it for yourself, like Napoleon. Brooke, let's talk about capital, raising money, and how did you finance your business? 
bootstrapped primarily, raised $100,000 from friends and family, did a lift fund loan for about 15 grand. And now we're raising 750,000 after we're planning a seed one and a seed two round. So we're right now we're in the midst of a seed one of 100,000 and planning for a seed two right after the first of the year at 750,000. And what advice would you give someone that's seeking to get venture capitalists or seed money? What advice would you give them? I would recommend for anybody who is seeking seed capital, leave no stone unturned. Be willing to look outside your own bubble. Be willing to go far. So for us, we were connected, actually able to find people in New York and places outside of Texas are, were really a best, a better bet for us. So just be willing to reach out to wherever you have to go. What is the one impact you want this interview to give to our audience, Brooke? The main impact we always hope people take away is hope that (laughs) we hope that people have a feeling of hope, that there is faith in future success. And do not give up. Do not feel as though you cannot accomplish this because the fact that the idea was even given to you means that it is something that you could have accomplished. You know, many times and there are certain times in life where somebody may say, oh, well, I didn't think of that. That's a great idea. That's really obvious. And so you have to recognize the fact that you had that idea, you were given that mission, that glimpse into the future. That means that you have to go get it at whatever means necessary. And I know that you're pretty advanced and entrenched in the VC world. Did you look at backstage capital at all? I have. And actually, I might be wrong. I think something recently posted that they may not be looking for people, right? Investments right now. Okay. Do you know? Oh, I could absolutely be wrong about that. But I do know that we were considered by Backstage once upon a time. Okay. And we were passed over. But I think it's a good time for, for us to follow up and, you know, show them that we've changed a lot. We have had a lot of growth. And so, yeah, I will definitely reach out to them. Yeah, and I was just doing a quick search, and it was several, and I'm just giving this information out to others that are looking for seed money. It came up with about 20, which is very rare that we're getting more VCs that are investing in women and people of color, African-Americans and women business owners. So 20 of them came up. So yeah. That's awesome. That is more opportunity for seed money for startups. Definitely. Well, you keep us posted. And again, if there's anything that we can do to support your business and your effort, don't hesitate to let us know. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we've come to the part of our biz, our interview, Brooke, and we're going to ask some fun facts, lightning round questions. And we'd like you to give us very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. 
Are you ready for the Fun Facts Lightning Round? Yes. Okay. The last movie you saw? Uh, Black Panther on Netflix. You relaxed doing what? Watching movies on Netflix. Your favorite singer or rapper? Ooh, rapper right now, I'm Chance. Your favorite dance song? Uh, uh, dance song, favorite right now. Oh, Brown Skin Girl, Beyonce. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Bread. Your mm. favorite month? July, my birthday. You hit the couch or hit the treadmill? Couch. Thank you. Brooke, that is a wrap. But before we conclude, why don't you give all of your social media handles and any information how our audience can reach you and support your efforts and your business? Yes, you can reach uh, Laura Imports. You can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And we can be found on by email if you'd like to contact us directly, email info at imports with an S dot com. And we'll be happy to get back to you as soon as we can. That's a wrap. And Brooke, we'll have to have you back on for a special session just on seed money and finding the money. We'll have to do an yes. episode on that. Show us the okay. money. <laughs> Brooke, Thank you. You that are great. the best. If I can do anything, like I said, to support your business, don't hesitate to reach out and we'll continue to um, advertise and support your business and any other African-American women that's out there that we can support them. Don't hesitate to let us know. I will. Thank you. All Thank right. you very much. That's a wrap. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Black Entrepreneur Experience. We would love for you to leave a review and rating on iTunes and share with your friends. For show notes and more episodes, go to www.beepodcast.com. Join us next Wednesday. And remember, green is the new black. So keep your bank accounts and your business in the black.